You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Joining me today from the Kurdistan region of Iraq is Brenda Hershey. Brenda uses a specific kind of yoga called Trauma Recovery Yoga, or TRI for short, to help refugees and trauma survivors. She's also organizing training for humanitarian workers in Ukraine so that they can use these simple and effective methods to help those affected by the war there. While trauma at the level witnessed by those visiting Brenda and her team can have a seriously debilitating impact, some of the aspects of the work that she does can also help enhance our resilience in a much wider context. And as we discovered during the conversation, Brenda credits her own familiarity with and training in these topics as being the foundation on which she herself navigated trauma in her own life. Brenda, I wonder, could you tell us what the difference between trauma recovery yoga and any other kind of yoga that people might have tried actually is? Absolutely. It's a great question because all yoga is good, but not all yoga is good for trauma. Mm. And there are different reasons for that. But our specific sequence, so we trauma recovery yoga, or TRI for short, mm-hmm. it's, of course, trauma-informed yoga and also breathing practices and meditation. Mm-hmm. But it's a specific sequence, the yoga. We have a class for adults, men, women, and one for children. Uh, it's for people of all levels of mobility. We also have a chair and a seated class. Mm-hmm. So a few of our our main pillars are accessibility, safety, and choice, because Mm -hmm. people don't have a choice in their trauma, of course. Um, So reiterating their power of choice to make it their practice, to listen to their body. And I would say one of the, the most important pieces to our practices is the foundation, which is self-regulation for resilience. Mm -hmm. So, and that's SRR for short. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a combination of orientation, finding yourself in your space, grounding, just noticing your connection to the chair, the ground, centering. So noticing what's happening within and then mm-hmm. breath, which mm-hmm. is maybe the most important piece of self-regulation and of these practices, because they say your breath is like the remote control to your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so within a few breath, like a fuller breaths, you can totally change the state of your body, which changes the state of your mind. Mm. So uh, there, there's a lot more to it, but uh, these are just some of the pillars of what distinguishes trauma recovery yoga from a typical yoga mm-hmm. class. We're really meeting people where they are and uh, quite literally speaking their language, bringing it to uh, refugee camps and orphanages uh, around the world now. So it's interpreted into yeah. different languages now as well. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, right now you're in Kurdistan and Iraq. Um, so you're bringing the and you've been to many other places as well with this. And I'm sure you can uh, remind me where they are. But, you know, you're probably bringing this to uh, communities and cultures that haven't necessarily had yoga as part of their their environment, their social environment, even without mm-hmm. 
the the impact of whatever other trauma you've been dealing with. How have you found that? Yeah, that's a, a question I get often. And it's really interesting to be kind of pioneering this mind-body method mm. movement, if you will, because I really feel that's what it is. So in the Middle East, uh, that's where I've mainly been and working mm. with refugees from the Middle East, whether they were in the West or or here. As you said, these are communities who have never practiced yoga before. They may have heard the word, and even then it's associated with some extreme uh, kind of spiritual practice Mm -hmm. and something that's really inaccessible. So as I'm – my approach with uh, discussing try and the benefits that it can bring to them really revolves around speaking the science – so we say mm-hmm. we speak science, not Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually facilitated a research study here on uh, the impact that practicing TRI has on one's mental and physical trauma symptoms, their mm-hmm. heart rate variability, and their resilience levels. Mm-hmm. And so now I have the, the hard data and the numbers to say that, you know, because we do this, this, this is proven to happen. So there are short-term, long-term. Yeah benefits. And so I really just emphasize that. And it's been really, really well received. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally see how that would happen. Um, And this idea of having a backup, having something that, you know, it, it helps us to, I think, certainly for people who are more literal, more um, rational, more logical, and, yeah. you know, resist this whole idea of all that spiritual woo woo nonsense. Uh-huh. To actually be able to say, well, look, you know what, this is um, this is actually happening in your body. This is what is going on with your brain. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is not just for people who are unfamiliar with the concepts of yoga or anything like that. But mm-hmm. for people, I think, even in very average sort of Western or uh, industrialized circumstances to help them to understand that this access and to mm-hmm. these tools, this this thing that we do all the time, this breathing thing, right? <laughs> it's so phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah. Because for me as well, like I'm kind of in the middle. I often, when I'm giving uh, talks or facilitating a, a discussion, mm-hmm. I like to gauge whether people are more into the science, like they need the proof, or if you know they they do a yoga class, they feel good, so that's enough for them. Because I'm I'm really in the middle. I like to know why, but also I I believe for myself, like that works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so having the balance, but in areas where people have, where they're a bit more skeptical, I, mm-hmm. I definitely push the science. And you'd be amazed, like the governments in Kurdistan and the different, different governorates, they're so open to having a present, a tri-presence in every refugee camp in their governorate. Wow. As long as they don't have to pay anything. so <laughs> Of course, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, but otherwise, they're so open to it. They they get it. They get that mm-hmm. we need alternative therapies, and especially yeah. for a region of the world with so much intergenerational trauma. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so people are getting it, which is really refreshing and, and uh, a bit contrary to what I may have expected coming in. Tell me, um, Brenda, what what is it that you are seeing with people who are coming to you in these um, in these situations, and they what are the differences that you can observe in them when they've tried try? 
the recovery yoga. Mm -hmm. So what are the observations and the differences that they're experiencing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I noticed that, so it's something that's new, right? So there is, even regardless, there is really this willingness to try something new mm -hmm. and uh, they, they show up mm -hmm. and there's this immediate sense of calming after that first practice, even if there are some nerves as we get started. There's such a sense of calming that's undeniable, I think, for each person when I, when I scan the room and as a group. And so the people, they keep coming back. Once they've tried it once, they're hooked, mm -hmm. you know. And more specifically, in the research study, the so we we did that with two groups of young women. One mm -hmm. were young Yazidi women. They survived genocide in 2014, and the other was a group of local humanitarians. So mm -hmm. mainly with uh, secondary or vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, because I've given plenty of talks on compassion fatigue and burnout and the mm -hmm. the you know you take on the you can take on the symptoms of of the people you're working with, if they have a lot of trauma, but seeing the pretest and how they filled out their, the symptoms that they're experiencing, every single person, every single participant had, you know, one or more of the following, like headaches, fatigue, digestive problems, mm -hmm. extreme nervousness. And then by the end of it, I'll, I'll send you the link so you can see mm -hmm. the, the specific uh, results and the, the nice charts that go along with it. Mm, but mm. by the end of it, they, the majority of them saw improvements in, in both anxiety and depression related symptoms and these physical symptoms. So. Yeah. And of course, you know, again, this is one of the things I suppose that comes up here is that, you know, we have so many symptoms that we have embodied through mm -hmm. whatever it is that we carry with us in our own daily lives yeah. that we medicate and that, you know, we, we assume that there is a medical or a, um, a pharmaceutical solution to an issue. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying here is that, you know, these things are not always necessarily something that requires that level of intervention, that it can be more simple and more mm -hmm. self-directed, that we can take control for these things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk of the Trauma Research Foundation. Yeah, I'm sure you know. I am doing a, a traumatic stress studies certification with him right now. Mm. And uh, he has this quote that I'm not going to get fully right, but it's something like, based on the research, yoga is one of the most impactful methods at treating uh, different trauma disorders, including PTSD, mm -hmm. much more than medication in many circumstances. It's not a, a solution. It doesn't fully, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I do believe that sometimes medication is yeah, necessary. Absolutely. Yes. Of course. But I think there's really something to going against the grain, what we've been kind of conditioned yes. to to believe mm -hmm. of like numbing out and and I think that's human nature in a lot of ways, but to go within, to do the to really do the work yeah. And, yeah. and address things at the root. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, again, taking, you know, knowing and understanding that we can take responsibility for this as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's that that education aspect of it that, you know, for an awful lot of people, we haven't actually come across these ideas, mm-hmm. you know, that they like the data that you've got about that this actually works and it is this simple. Yeah. Um, we sometimes assume because we have relinquished so much res- responsibility for our health and so on over the years. Mm-hmm. We do assume that we have to hand over control of our results to an external um, an external force, I guess. Absolutely. And one of, another one of our pillars is empowerment. Mm-hmm. And just to highlight what you're saying, having this information, like for me, resilience means having knowledge and awareness and mm-hmm. tools that mm-hmm. you can consistently practice or integrate. So the mm-hmm. knowledge and the tools. And these tools are simple. It's like finding your breath, grounding yourself, centering and and affirmations we do visualization so we incorporate these different tools and you can take what resonates with you to integrate them and it gives people choice so yeah for me i was actually studying the science of trauma it helped me connect a lot of dots of just being a human and things that had uh, occurred, like different experiences I had had that seemed totally chaotic or illogical. Like it didn't matter what I said or, you know, it didn't help that person feel better or. Mm-hmm. So understanding what was happening in their bodies yeah. helped me make sense of so much. And so I was studying the science of trauma, working with trauma recovery yoga and traveling around the U.S., helping uh, train medical professionals and mental health professionals and yoga instructors to teach Mm -hmm. try. And only then did my big, it was actually a series of big traumas happen for me. Mm -hmm. And so that was really what kind of allowed me to embody all of this work that I had been teaching to others and to really conceptualize it for myself, because you can only take other people so far as you have been yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it really it also solidified for me that the the tools, so SRR, the self-regulation tools that that we are mm. teaching, they're not just reactive. We're not just helping people recover. But as you actively practicing uh, practice them, you're building a higher level of resilience, which yeah. was, was what I did. Thankfully, uh, it really having those tools saved me in, in those moments and mm. To give people that choice uh, is really why I'm so passionate about sharing it around the world. 100%, absolutely, completely and utterly agree with you. I think two two things that come up for me as you were talking. One is that, you know, a lot of people will have tried yoga at some level. And I'm wondering if you have seen anything about um how people approach it, you know, what what it is that people will get the most from it with as an attitude going into it. Mm. And secondly, then, you know, it, you've, you've mentioned working with trainers. How do you help them to, I guess, deliver yoga in a way that's more impactful for people? Mm. So to answer your first question, I guess going in with an open mind mm. and and also a a sense of curiosity. So turning any judgment into curiosity, that's something mm. uh, the founder of Try in the U.S. always says, because, you know, especially starting out with yoga, I remember in my first yoga class, I was like 20, 
in some studio in Chicago. And I, I think for me and for everyone, when you first start practicing yoga, it's really easy to be distracted by what's happening around you and by other people. And like, am I doing this right? Oh my gosh, I'm shaking. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, trying to hold some and like pushing yourself too far. So turning that judgment into curiosity. And I think that's really a path uh, moving inward mm-hmm. to the point where y- you find yourself having this, like, it's a moving meditation, you know? Mm. Um, so be having the willingness and openness to try that first class and then to continue trying classes until you really find what feels good to you, because yeah. that might not be with, you know, there are so many forms of yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so the one we share uh, here and and everywhere is is a really it's a basic class. There are no like really mm-hmm. difficult postures. We encourage people to choose the level and intensity that they want to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, you know, we're not doing handstands or any crazy stretches. Uh, so we try to make it as accessible as possible. Mm. Um, and and what was your second question? Second question was, uh, you know, about the, um, I guess, quality of yoga teaching, how important that is. Mm. And is, you know, are there things that people should look for if they are going to try yoga and they're trying to find somebody to to teach them? Yes, for sure. So with our um, our trainings, we're actually about to have our first two teacher trainings here in Kurdistan next mm-hmm. week, which is really exciting. We'll have, because right now, there's me and my local partner. We're the only trained instructors. So we all know how sustainable that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be certifying locals. There'll be 30 locals who are ready to teach in the community next week. Mm-hmm. And something I think unique about our approach is that they don't have to have any yoga experience. Mm-hmm. So that's for different reasons. But one of the main reasons that 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 works for us is because we emphasize more the trauma informed uh, care and practices piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, We teach them how to like, we break down the sequences we uh, and they're practicing, they're getting like hands-on experience. We also have like ongoing video tutorials for them to Mm. uh, for us. It's quality control because it is important that uh, you know, they're teaching in a way that fosters a supportive environment Mm-hmm. But we really emphasize the, the trauma-informed piece. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, really starting with this uh, understanding that every person's experience is just that. Mm-hmm. So if someone is seeking a yoga class uh, to, you know, if something doesn't feel right, then to try another one. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are many, many kinds of yoga out there, aren't there? And there really are. <laughs> for, yeah. for each of those, there are many, many teachers and ways of delivering. Yeah. Mm. So you are, as we mentioned, you're cur- currently in Kurdistan. Um, but I also uh, see from your details that you are working with um, humanitarian efforts in Ukraine as well. Can you tell us a bit about, about that? Yeah, for sure. So we are currently preparing our project for Ukraine. Uh, so we'll be this summer in Lviv, which is a city in the western part of the country, about an hour from Poland. 
Mm. And we'll be facilitating some teacher trainings there as well, mm. uh, training local staff who are based in Lviv or in Kiev who, mm-hmm. who might uh, come to our, our base in Lviv. Uh, so training them to mm. teach TRI in their communities, offering them ongoing support, and also teaching classes while we're there to community members because mm. Lviv is a really strategic location for both for humanitarian aid coming in, it's a critical access point, and mm-hmm. for displaced people coming from the east. They're either, you know, I guess the Lviv population has tripled mm-hmm. uh, since the start of the war. So supporting people there in these in these different ways is yeah. our plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it's certainly work worth doing, Brenda. Um, and... You know, I, I really would encourage everybody to um, take a look at your your links and so on, um, and also to take note of what it is that you know we can actually think about when we're when we are looking at what it is that we have that we can use um, very mm-hmm. simply in terms of um, improving our resilience and maybe just taking a bigger overview of um, of our own day-to-day actions, reactions, and interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on that, uh, I will share, we'll have a link to some resources that people can uh, check out and practice and know that once you, it's about, you know, working with our neuroplasticity, reminding our bodies of things that they once knew or once did naturally, but just Mm -hmm. living a modern lifestyle, we can, we can forget we might be breathing only from our chest, you know, not breathing from the belly. And that alone really affects how we feel. It affects how our nervous system functions. So uh, mm-hmm. knowing that these really simple tools and the breath, especially uh, once you learn them, you can't unlearn them. It's like teaching a man to fish, which is one of the reasons I, I love this so much is there's you no, know, it's no pills or potions. It's just finding these tools within and practicing. That is fantastic. Um, really, really appreciate you sharing all this with us, Brenda. And I have very much enjoyed finding out a bit more about what you're doing. Um, so thank you for taking the time to do this with me today. And I'll see you on the other side. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 